Welcome to another edition of Park Talk Podcast, the official podcast of the Naperville Park District. Hi everyone, I'm Sue Omenson. We are excited when someone from the community with a special talent or skill offers to help the Park District through that skill. For example, amateur photographers have taken photos of events or wildlife and have greatly enriched the Park District's photo library as volunteers. Today, I'm happy to welcome Joe Barasa, a volunteer who is planning to bring and care for honeybee hives at the Garden Plots this summer. Uh, so he will be our volunteer beekeeper. So welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thanks so much, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk and maybe inspire some people to get out there and help the honeybees too. Yes, yes, I hope so. So first, um, how did you get started with beekeeping as that's not your primary job? Yeah, so when I was young, I was always kind of interested in how little bugs work and I thought about getting an ant colony and I actually ordered one, I got it through the mail and then I realized I have to order the ants from Canada and there was some issue where I wasn't going to be able to bring the ants from oh, Canada. No. So then I just had an ant colony with no ants and so that was just, you know, a, just that a, must have been disappointing. a dream I thought about for a while that never got to manifest. So then later on in life, the pandemic hit and I was cooped up at home. I was wondering what, what am I going to do with all this free time? What could be a cool thing to do? And I thought, you know, the world would be a much better place with more honeybees. And I've been thinking about how we got to work hard to bring more of the bugs and little guys back to world to the world and make the world thriving and abundant again. And so here's a really golden opportunity for me to buckle down and get focused and find out the best way to help the honeybees. And so I talked to my dad about it. He's like, you're always talking about keeping honeybees. Go ahead and get to it, you know. So I was like, all right, challenge accepted. And that week I ordered some honeybees and they came through the mail pretty quick. And it was kind of off to the races. I was gathering up equipment and building things as quick as I could, trying to keep up with the bees. That's amazing. They came through the mail. Yep, yep. It was when I... Well, I went and p- picked them up from the post office, but on the drive home, I was so excited. I was just kind of shouting, yeah, I got the honeybees. Finally, we're doing it. It's such a cool feeling. And I kept them on my roof for a little while. And then I reached out to other groups and organizations. First, I reached out to the Fox Valley Park District. And so they allowed me to keep honeybees in a little plot near the garden plots area. Nice. And so I was helping all the market gardeners get their veggies pollinated and increase their yields and bring in abundance. So how long have the bees been at the Fox Valley Park District? Two years now. Two so years. this is their second year. Got them through winter. They were thriving and, and they were really booming this year because it was warm. Late April, I think we had a heat wave. And so the bees were just taking off. That's exciting. Wow. Well, we're so glad you're coming to the Naperville Park District because we have garden plots as well. And that's where you're going to be establishing some bees for us. I'm thrilled for the opportunity. And there's mm-hmm. plenty of gardeners growing awesome veggies and <laughs> I think once the honeybees are in, it'll be buzzing with activity and all the better for it. Yes, for sure. In addition to Fox Valley's uh, bees that you're keeping, are you involved in any other beekeeping activities right now? Yep, I get to work with a market gardener up in Winfield, and they do a lot of gardening. They involve no sprays of any kind, um, no insecticides, no herbicides, just completely natural gardening. And they have a CSA, so they have subscription customers that come in to get veggies every Friday and I have a partnership worked out with them so they'll do some work to get the honey from the bees and we'll go 50-50 on the bees honey. Um, so how did you get connected with the Naperville Park District? 
oh, let's see, I started working with the Fox Valley Park District, and I saw that this was an awesome opportunity, and this was a, a great place to keep honeybees in a great format to do it, and it was also near garden plots, and so I felt like, you know, bring the bees near where the, where the veggies are being produced, that's the best way to do it, and so... Naturally, I thought I should reach out to other park districts, and so I reached out to Oswego and Naperville as well. And so you guys came out and had me uh, see the spot, and and you got a bunch of equipment I could help use, and and I think we'll be booming in no time. There will be lots of bees, and it'll be buzzing with life again. That's really exciting because we have had, as I'm sure you know, honeybees there every year for the past, I don't know how many years, maybe six, five or six. That's awesome. Um and, but they always die in the winter, yeah. and and so that's really sad, and we need to start with new bees every year. So it'll be great if you can possibly get them through the winter. Yeah, and I, I hear that all the time, and there's a lot of places where I've been invited to keep honeybees where there used to be honeybees, and then everyone says, but they don't, they don't make it through the winter, and we haven't been able to keep them going, and so it's kind of bittersweet because... I don't like seeing spots where there used to be honeybees and now it's like a ghost town, right. but it's also a wonderful opportunity because there's equipment ready. And so it's just a matter of getting bees back in the boxes and they'll be up and running again. And I'm confident if we follow some protocols and take good care of the bees, keep them healthy, especially around August, mm. then they'll be set with a good foundation to get through winter. That's great. And I know yesterday we were all out there at, at the garden plots and you were talking about how you take care of bees in the winter. Yep. And that sounded really encouraging. <laughs> there's there's a couple of important things to focus on to get bees through winter up here in the north. Um, one of the biggest things is you got to have good insulation at the top, and you also have to have a good, healthy, robust population. you got to have plenty of food, and you got to make sure the, the bees aren't terribly infested with the varroa mite, as the varroa mite can transmit a lot of terrible viruses that will weaken the bees and mm. set them up to mm-hmm. struggle through the stresses of winter. Well, and it, it's nice to know that there are some um, techniques to uh, diagnose that, that mite and also to to free them from it. The biggest thing, if you want to become a beekeeper, I think you need to be aware of the problem with the varroa mite and the troubles that come along with the varroa mite and mm-hmm. take seriously the strategies to control the varroa mite. And if you can do those things, you'll probably be successful. <laughs> That's good. Well, and and it's interesting that the honeybees aren't really native to our country, right? And, That's true. And especially not in this northern climate. Yup, and they, they're almost like a tropical species that also started to migrate out beyond. So I think maybe they originated in a tropical land and then they dispersed all throughout the globe. And there actually were honeybees in North America in the oh. past, but mm. the ice age has wiped them out. So um, it's almost like we're reintroducing a, a very similar niche species, but it's... It's definitely not native to North America. The Western honeybee is from Europe. And there's also lots of things we could do beyond honeybees that help the world too. So insect populations as a total are in decline. That's what I've heard. Yeah. It's um, all kinds of insects. And there's a lot of different factors that play into it. One of the biggest ones is habitat loss. And, you know, we all are really good at growing beautiful lawns Mm -hmm. that have emerald green grass. But I think we could help out the native pollinators and bees a great deal by setting up little pollinator plots and providing more habitat. And also we can build certain structures like uh, mason bee houses and orchard bee houses. And Oh, really? I didn't know that they would live in something like that. Yep. And we could set up little habitats for leafcutter bees and we can certainly do 
a lot of things to make way for the, the bees to thrive and not just honeybees, but all sorts of bees. And it's really important that we take care of the native bugs that live on mm-hmm. the continent first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And I do think that honeybees and native bees can coexist in harmony because native bees tend to go for small plots that are very close by right. and they can have a diverse forage but honeybees prefer to go for whatever's the biggest most abundant thing at any point in time they'll go further to get the thing that's abundant rather than go to the thing nearby oh, that's interesting that okay. is richer yeah i've heard that they pollinate our large crops like the fruit and vegetables out in california and absolutely yep and since they like to go for one big abundant crop it works very well with the monoculture style of agriculture that we have in the united states and that feeds everybody in the world and so it definitely goes hand in hand with our agricultural system. It's a, a very essential piece of agriculture for us. And and they say if it weren't for honeybees, we would have a lot less food on our tables. So I have heard that. I think it's something like 65 to 70% of food is pollinated by honeybees that we regularly consume. So they're doing a big part. So Yes, they, they certainly are. And I think those native bees too also pollinate some of our food. Is that Absolutely, correct? Absolutely, yep. Mm-hmm. Orchard bees are like the best best pollinators for uh, apple trees and fruit trees, stuff like that. And so I would encourage anyone that's got fruit trees to make sure to make a little habitat for orchard bees. One way that the average person could get involved in trying to protect our bees and pollinators and insects would be, as you mentioned, um, creating some habitat in their yeah. yard that would be friendly to them, right? Absolutely. Some wildflower plots, some pollinator plots, um, there's a lot of good resources you could look up uh, pollinator-friendly plants, especially um, make sure you look for pollinator plants that are native to your area so that they're non-invasive because it would be tragic to try to feed the native bees by using an invasive species that that spreads all around. And so make sure you're consulting with your local extension office and find out which kind of wildflower seeds do well in your area and are friendly to pollinators. And it makes a big difference. If we can provide the food, especially diverse kinds of food, mm. it can help those native bees and other pollinators bridge the gap through the whole season and make it um, healthily mm. to the to, to the, the winter, winter and hunker yeah. down. <laughs> in addition to planting things in our yards, uh, I think you had mentioned that there might be a few tasks that volunteers might be able to do at the garden plots with you and maybe learn more about beekeeping. For helping the honeybees? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I could think of so many ways they could help. And um, one big one is we could do honey harvest together. So if I have some more hands at honey harvest, it would be a lot easier, especially uncapping the beeswax because there's a thin layer of beeswax on the honey. And so you remove that and then you put it in like a centrifuge kind of thing. You spin it around and all the honey gets flinged out by centripetal force. Another thing we could do is they could join me with inspections. They could see the bees. They could, if I can inspire them to become a beekeeper, that's the biggest help I could ever hope for. So another way they could help me out is um, sometimes when I need to rearrange the bees and they're heavy, you know, an extra hand to help lift the heavy boxes can be a big help. There's um, frames we could build. Um, When the bees are thriving and they're really growing, it's a fast pace. So we got to keep working (laughs) to keep up with them and make sure they've got a, a big enough shelter to house those bees as they're growing. That sounds exciting. Uh, that's And we d- do have a volunteer page on our website. And so we can let our volunteer manager know um, what needs you might have. And some people could be kind of on call. Um, so what are your plans for bringing the honeybees back to the garden plots this summer? I'm really excited. I'm 
I've got some beehives ready to go and some of the other bee yards. And so I'll probably make a split with one, turn it into a nucleus colony, which is about you know, an ordinary colony is 10 to 20 frames of honeycomb. And so a nucleus colony will be about five frames of honeycomb. It'll okay. be packed full of bees, thriving. And then we'll transfer that into a 10 frame box. And then once they grow into 10 honeycombs, we'll add a honey super on top. And hopefully they'll grow into a 10 frame deep and a 10 frame medium. They'll have tons of honey and we'll wrap them up real tight for winter and they'll be nicely insulated. And we might even have a chance to split, make more beehives. And um, I might bring more beehives from other bee yards over as well. Great. That sounds wonderful. And of course, they're going to be pollinating the vegetables and, and flowers at the garden plots. And Oh, yeah. We do have the organic section over there by the bee. Yeah, I really appreciate hives. that setup. You guys have a good large bee or large garden plot area right by the beehives. That's all. No spray. Fully organic. Doing it right. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And the bees, I'm sure, will appreciate it too and, and do better for it. And, and so... How will they? How will the bees help um, those plants over at the garden plots? Oh, they're out there buzzing. They'll pollinate. They visit all the flowers. They visit the male flowers and then the female flowers. So uh, they've got tons of little hairs. They've got electrostatic charge that is opposite of the pollen grains. And so the pollen grains will stick to all the hairs on their bodies. And they've got these specialized little combs on their legs. They brush their legs across the hairs on their body. It scoops up all the pollen. And then they use a little bit of honey that they've, har- well, I guess nectar from the flowers they harvested. And they'll kind of mix that with the pollen and make it real sticky. They'll stick it onto their pollen baskets on their legs. And uh, then they have what they call pollen pants. And oh. so a, a bee can be pretty heavy with the pollen pants and the nectar in its stomach. They can have something like um, 80% of their weight in their body, something like that. Oh they get pretty heavy when they're flying around after a long day of foraging. And so actually when they're, they're coming back, they look kind of clumsy because they're, they're so heavy in the air on those wings. And uh, somehow they make it, though. That's really interesting. Uh, so if it, um, if it weren't for the bees, then what would the effect be on the flowers? And the- Oh, boy, without, without bees in general, a lot of flowers go unpollinated. And I think in Europe, they're studying something called the insect apocalypse. They think that the overall average number of insects in every region has declined sharply. And I think there's a guy in Germany, he goes on a bike with like butterfly nets and he, he, he decided to do this experiment because when he was a kid, he would take a bike through this forest and he would get like walloped in the face by bugs while he's biking through. And now as an adult, he's biking through, he doesn't notice there's really any bugs at all. And he got this dreadful feeling that, oh no, we should try to quantify this, see if this is like a real thing or if I'm just thinking it's so. And so he started running the experiments and even though there's already been a sharp decline between his childhood and his adulthood. He's still seeing decline in between the years of mm-hmm. experiments where he does it. And so the idea is maybe nicot- neonicotinoid pesticides mm-hmm. or maybe um, certain pollution and habitat destruction and other kind of chemical sprays are weakening insects on a broad scale. And so um, if we have a condition where all the insects are not abundant any longer, a lot of flowers will be open and they won't be pollinated and and then they won't set fruit and there won't be as much f- food on mm-hmm. the table mm-hmm. and there will be a lot less abundance on earth and a lot less seeds dropping. And so that's why I want to encourage people to make more habitat for pollinators, get into beekeeping, help out and support local beekeepers and try and make a little room for the little guys. That way the trees are buzzing with life when they're opening with flowers and 
and the world is lively and our grandchildren get to see a beautiful world full of lightning bugs and, and all kinds of creatures flying about and, and creating a wonderful balance around, around the ecosystem. Thank you for listening. The Naperville Park District's mission is to provide park and recreation experiences that promote healthy lives, healthy minds, and a healthy community. Park Talk Podcast is a production of the Naperville Park District. 